Welcome to the 10th Amazonary Canada 5 recap podcast for RTV Warriors. I am Logan Saunders, and joining me, as ever, is the guy who wishes he could hide in the Canadian Shield to stay away from the season, Michael Harmstone. Good morning, and I'm disappointed we didn't use my intro for you this week, which was the guy who needs to be told to stop flirting midway through the podcast when he gets a little bit distracted, Logan Saunders. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that would have been a good one. Given that that was the best bit of the episode, and the fact that it's the first time all season I've laughed at something that wasn't the production's treatment of Kevin and Ryan. I think I may have written that as my favourite moment of the episode too. And I'm trying not to vent too much on how bad this season has been, because that's next week's job, but I think I'm a little bit higher on this week's episode than you are, purely because there was a lot of quite dorky things that I like this week. Not as high as Kevin and Ryan are most of the time. Yeah, still not as good as it should be, though. We did still have to watch people play curling. Again. Again. <laughs> And hey, they went to Northern Ontario again this, uh, this season, but at least it wasn't Sudbury. Very true, and this is our second of only two legs in Ontario this season, which I believe is a record. Uh, I think the first season it was just the start and the end in Ontario. That's still two legs. Yeah, they never go below two. And spoilers for everyone, the press pictures did actually spoil Karen and Burke going out this week, because they appeared in no photos last week. Why would production do that? Because production, as we've previously discussed, and as I'm sure we will be discussing at length next week, are quite bad at their jobs. <laughs> or just are just completely apathetic towards this season. Just like everybody who's watching it. I don't know, the 70-year-olds seem to really like this season on the uh, official Facebook page. For once this season, I can say that I actually enjoyed your funniest complaints this week. For once? Yeah. A lot of them were very, very funny last week, and I think you're going to have a lot of material this week, given that everyone is losing their shit at that roadblock. <laughs> have you had a quick glance at the Facebook page since the episode was on? Yeah, apparently there's some comparisons to Fear Factor again, even though some of the gross food eating challenges in Amazing Race predates Fear Factor. Oh, how terrible. I have to discuss the Alan Wu moment again later. <laughs> Alright, so let's dive into this episode. Previously on the Amazing Race Canada, a fast-talking detour closed the deal. Revenge was sweet for Kevin and Ryan, but not sweet enough to secure them first place. Karen and Bert get their only top three finish of the entire season, as pointed out by John Montgomery. Spoilers! Yeah. And Adam and Andrea... Are, this is this part of the previously on segment was misleading, but they say that Adam and Andrea caught up. Um, I don't recall them catching up after the U-turn. In fact, they got further and further behind. They're only shown with one other team at the roadblock... And I don't think there was much overlap at the roadblock. Yeah, they caught up to Corey and Ivana. <laughs> yeah, and that's like, I mean, anybody catches up to Corey and Ivana this season. Um, and then they were eliminated in the big shocking upset that pretty much guarantees Sam and Paul are going to be winning this next leg. 
Um, speaking of Simon Paul, they depart first at 1.26 p.m. And they're flying to the Sioux. The Sioux. Yep, it's a place called Sioux St. Marie, which literally no one has heard of. The only thing I know about Sioux St. Marie is that it's not pronounced Salt St. Marie. And my only other exposure to the town is because my uncle gave our family a coaster that had the words Sioux St. Marie on it. And those are the only two things I know about the town. Please, for the love of God, Logan, do not expose yourself to the town. (laughs) Have you been there? Surprisingly, Sault Ste. Marie is not a place I have been in Canada. I mean, I know I'm going back there in November, but it's not that high on my list. And I don't think you ever will be. Nope. And anyway, stop mentioning people using coasters, given that I'm going to Seattle in November, and I can't even meet Scott because he's away. And he's a notorious coaster fiend. So yeah, I'm a bit bitter about it. As bitter as the... As the whatever's in in the drink on the coaster. In the coffee beer that they had to taste in Panama. Yes, and the cardamom beer. What the hell's a cardamom? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a poker player. A poker player with children. A cardamom. A, a mom who doesn't hit on me for once. Which would be most moms. Oh, Vernon's full of surprises, Michael. <laughs> Just you wait until we hit the town together. I'm like a magnet. It's really weird how Vernon has such a large blind population, isn't it? Yeah, there's a it's a, there's a lot of C and I dogs. I pretend to be a C and I dog. Woof woof. <laughs> okay, at least one of the hints this week can be Logan barks. <laughs> I'm like Gary Busey. Gary Busey. That sounded more like Nixon. Like Richard Nixon? <laughs> yeah, it sounded more like the Aru from Future Armor. <laughs> Aru! Enjoy the great taste of Charleston Shoe! <laughs> You're on, Mr. Ambassador Carl. Oddly enough, my friend's mom does have the nickname Deep Throat, which fits well in with uh, Richard Nixon. <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't you know the whole story of Deep Throat with Richard Nixon? I do, but I'm more intrigued as to why your friend's mum is known as Deep Throat, dare I ask. (laughs) No, you do not, dare. (laughs) I just love the idea that she'll walk around the streets of Vernon and people will shout out, Hey, Deep Throat! You know, she worked for the Nixon administration in the 60s and she, she leaked out those secrets. That must be so awkward for her son. <laughs> yeah, especially on the playground and stuff. It's like, like, he just gets teased a lot for it. Wait, kids were calling her deep throat on the playground, because that is borderline illegal. <laughs> this is in, in the 10th grade, I think. <laughs> okay, I was not expecting that tangent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Sam and Paul head to the Sioux where the Superior meets Lake Huron, as John Montgomery would say. And then uh, Paul talks about how Sam made him feel comfortable a year ago, 
And then Kevin and Ryan depart 15 minutes later at 1.41 p.m. They talk about the semifinals and having $525 for this leg of the race. And then Karen and Bert depart at 2.05 p.m. Then Corey and Ivana depart at 2.14 p.m. They proclaim themselves to be the underdogs while Karen and Bert intend to win this leg. And did you hear what happened with race play this week? No, I did not. I know it's my favourite running joke of the season, but friend of the podcast, Mark Carroll, tipped me off to this one. Uh, This week, Raceplay had a question that was, Sault Ste. Marie is where which two Great Lakes meet, uh, and Superior and Huron, and Huron and Superior were two of the options, and he actually picked the wrong one. (laughs) Come on, you got to say in the order that Monty said it on screen. Exactly. Come on, Mark. We expected better of you. Yeah. Maybe they spelled superior with three R's. Nope, it was perfectly spelt, because literally even before I'd watched the episode yesterday, I had that message off Mark saying that race play was a complete mess again, and I just thought, I have to bring this up, because race play is my favourite thing to mention this season. I I actually do not think there is a single week that I've not mentioned race play having numerous errors on any of the podcasts this season. <laughs> Like, who are the two people that podcast for the Amazing Race Canada? Is it Logan and Michael, or Michael and Logan? And the answer to that question is, it depends what season you're talking about, because for this season, your name gets first billing, because you're actually the one hosting it. That's true. Alphabetical. Well, it's more that you're taking the lead on this shit show of a season. Yeah. Either way. Because I'm nice like that after I spend days and weeks and hours of my life editing this podcast for you. I know. I, I you do all the work, and I reap and I reap all the rewards. Damn right. Never forget it. Um. So teams once again have to fly to Toronto before heading out to Sault Ste. Marie, which I believe makes it nine of the last ten episodes. <laughs> Masonry's Canada production has a very strong relationship with the Lester B. Pearson Airport. Yep, and Monty's back to calling Tark Canada's favourite summertime adventure, which I love to mock again. And I'd also like to point out that our episode 1 recap was called Canada's favourite summertime disappointment, which is basically a great metaphor for the season. Especially this year. This year it's been it's been an atrocious season this year, as we will expand upon more so next week. I just think it's nice to draw attention on how psychic we were on how bad this season would be. I was optimistic at first, and then my expectations went out the window very, very quickly. So, teams get to Toronto, and eventually Sault Ste. Marie, where they have to drive a Chevy ZR2, or ZR2, because it's Canada, and must drive it to a train, and drive themselves to a train, and this task is not terrible. It's not terrible, but I did appreciate the fact that they called the artists world famous, and I've never heard of them. I will say I have heard of the group of seven from elementary school. There's only like one of the seven is famous, though. Yeah, surprisingly, Canadian art history is not taught in British schools. (laughs) But yes, it's a group of seven painters, and I think there's Cart, Nancy Cartwright... Are you sure she's not in The Simpsons? You caught on to my joke, but I think her name is very similar to that. that. That's the real artist from the group of seven that's famous. 
And I did love how when Karen and Bert departed, they said, oh, a lot of people think that they can beat us. And my answer to that is, you've seen your average, right? Pretty much everyone in the season has beaten you. (laughs) A lot of people think they can beat us. And you know what? They're not wrong. (laughs) Except the confessional was just clipped right before that last part. And in this inexplicable 150 challenge, teams have to head through the train and find 14 descriptions of paintings done by one of the Gang of Seven or whatever we're calling them now. The S Club Seven. Yeah. Ain't no party like a train party. (laughs) And they must then match the paintings in the next carriage to the names to get the next clue. And the train ride lasts 30 minutes. If teams don't get it correct in the 30 minutes, they have to ride again to be able to have another go. And it's a train equalizer that Sam and Paul arrive and last at. Everyone was all stoked that Sam and Paul might not make the train. In fact, the only person who wasn't stoked about it was Corey because he was more stoked about the fresh Chevy. So fresh and so clean like cast. Yep, and the first train departs at 12.03pm. What? what a very specific time. I know. Especially when you consider that Corey Nirvana departed at 12.14pm, which means we've had yet another leg that is more than 24 hours. And probably 12 hours of it at least was spent overnight in Toronto. Because I imagine it's a very early afternoon flight to Regina, or, well, midday, I guess, or mid-afternoon, I should say. That would take about an hour and a half to fly there at the most, and then probably crash at a hotel near the airport and then fly to Sault Ste. Marie in the morning is what I'm guessing. Yeah, because for some reason they like doing legs in Canada that are more than about 12 hours. So here's a hint, production. If you're going to do a leg that's that long, maybe go a little bit further afield than Sault Ste. Marie. (laughs) For example, if you're going to do more than 24 hours of travelling, maybe include 24 hours of flying to somewhere interesting. No, we gotta see the Sioux. We gotta see every inch of northern Ontario. The only major city left is Thunder Bay, which I am very afraid of is what we're gonna get next season. And Churchill, Manitoba. Don't forget Churchill. And Churchill, Manitoba, and Cherryville, British Columbia. Which, to be fair, if they can get polar bears on The Amazing Race, that's pretty cool. I I wouldn't be angry if we see Churchill next year, but I would probably be angry if we see any other town. Although if we see Churchill, we are probably going to have to see Russell Manitoba as well. (laughs) And not just because this race is flawed, but because, of course, there is a giant statue of John Montgomery in Russell Manitoba now. Yeah, I hereby see if he makes it to season 10, it's going to be a platinum statue. And then by season 15, it's just going to be a gigantic pyramid in the middle of Russell that's made by all laid-off oil workers who are hired as slaves. Have you not heard there's already a pyramid built in Russell which is going to become Monty's mausoleum? He's going to be buried alongside all of his uh, various family members. And his cats? I hear that. I hear in the. I hear in in those burial sites in the mausoleums there needs to be cats or a mausoleum. And I heard in a Hammerot's Lemillion style Swiss they're also going to bury people alive with him, <laughs> so they can be with him in the afterlife. Bury me with my favorite cans of soup, guys. I, w- I want this pyramid to be chunky. Because for some reason, we've now decided that Monty is Tutankhamun. Kalmoon. <laughs> Tutankhamonti. I knew you were going to try and do some sort of pharaoh pun, and that one did not work. <laughs> and in a wonderful continuity error, at this point in the episode, 
both Sam and Paul and Kevin and Ryan have confessionals where one team member has much short hair. So I suspect they might be from the start of the race. Oh, that's a good that's a good point. It's really, really noticeable. I think it was Sam and Kevin who had noticeably short hair. And then they just really let themselves go over the course of three weeks. Yeah, you can definitely tell that it is not from the time of the episode. Uh, Ivana mocks the group of seven. She says all paintings are the same. To be fair to her, I don't necessarily disagree. I'm not a great lover of art, so I would have hated this challenge. You mean you're not a lover of art of the of backdrops of the Canadian shield? What the hell is wrong with you, Michael? No, as you well know, I'm more of a photographer than an artist. <laughs> Maybe if it was pictures of Chevy Colorados, Corey and Ivana would have been done first. This is the avalanche. Well, what they should have done with this task is make it a product placement task and have 14 very similar photos of Chevys and have teams spot the difference. Or in the paintings, they you have to spot the Chevy in the painting. Like a Where's Wally? Yes, like a Where's Waldo. Or Where's Chevy? A Where's Monto. <laughs> it's the return of Lil John. It's like the train set task from the Osoyoos leg all over again. We don't talk about that season. <laughs> or, it's, or it's ending, rather, you mean? Yeah, I know Amazing Race Canada 5 has now stolen the crown from Season 3 of Worst Amazing Race Canada Season, but the ending of Season 3 is still pretty bad. <laughs> Especially as Facebook did remind me helpfully yesterday that I think it was two years ago we were covering Brian and Cynthia's elimination like. Those were sad times. Very sad times. So anyways, yeah, they're on the train and... Other than Ivana mocking the group of seven with Nancy Cartwright, um, not much to really say about this task. It was okay. Um, and Sam Paul eventually finishing first, where it's a detour uh, for trade or or an abundance of fish. Um, and Monty gets friendly with an alpaca. Can I just point out how terrible the detour names are? Because the actual detour name is Alpacit or Alcastit. And Alpacket is incredibly shoehorned in. Yes. It's not even spelt correctly. Not even close. You, it's not even the wordplay you really have to twist around the pronunciation to even make the pun. Lol needs to uh, instruct them on how to make puns. Yeah, the best detour puns are always something like Guns or Rose, where the original is quite well known, but it's sort of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, we-know-exactly-what-we're-doing situation. And they're not even packing anything, um, except weed, for if you're Kev, Kevin and Ryan. Um, and in alpaca, teams must transport two alpacas through a course, while a bunch of school children are skipping school that day to watch it for some reason. Because apparently it's a thing to do in northern Ontario to lead an alpaca through a, their own version of a ninja warrior course. And nobody goes to school, everyone's homeschooled here. You know, everyone has to work on the farms of the Canadian Shield. They're probably all uh, children of painters where they go to one of those schools where the parents put on a creative scene for the children. Mean Girls reference. Uh, if they complete the course in three minutes or less, they receive a clue from either Matt or Maurice. And in Alcastit, teams must do some fly fishing and land their rod and three rings. Once they do so, a random person named Lindsay will give them their next clue. And 
not only will she be giving out clues, but she'll be giving out her phone number to Corey. I think you'll find she wasn't called Lindsay. She was called Lindsay. Lindsay. Congratulations, Lindsay. Congratulations, Cam. <laughs> oh, I miss who done it. And Sam and Paul are the only team that gets it done within the first 30-minute trip. So they've got a big lead. Yep. And can I just point out, there is nothing more interesting than watching people fish on television for minutes at a time. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of there wasn't a whole lot of notes from the fishing rod task. Which one would you have picked? Um, just knowing how uncooperative llamas are on the Amazing Race, and that alpacas are somewhat similar to llamas, I would be doing fly fishing in a second. So you wouldn't want children to chant your obnoxious catchphrase over and over and over again just to piss off the guy in the UK who has to count it for a podcast? No, I would be avoiding it because I don't want to hear a a different team's obnoxious catchphrase being shouted upon repeatedly by a bunch of children. Because, fun fact, this episode actually featured the most givers in one episode of the entire season. Which is, drumroll, 24 givers this week. Like Jack Bauer. Which does now bring you up to 83. Oh man, 83 after 11 or 10 rounds, so an average of 8.3 givers per episode? We're staring down the barrel of it being over 100 next week. Oh, and there's a good chance, especially if Kevin and Ryan win it. Because that's going to be a lot of airtime they're going to be picking up in 35 minutes before the finish line, plus a bunch of givers once they reach the finish line in their post-race confessionals. 100 is a very realistic possibility. So yeah, strapping guys are going to have a fun week next week. What a fun finale. Michael's going to be so ready for the red carpet treatment. Oh, I cannot wait for the After the Race special. So anyways, uh, Sam and Paul are at the Mockingbird place, which for some reason is missing a G, and they just replace it with an apostrophe on the sign. It's because it's rural Canada, and that's what they do there. (laughs) Yes. And they do the alpaca task, and this continues the trend of, why does every task involve kids watching? Because this is the second week in a row where kids are cheering them on at a task. It's because they want to make it look like Canada's favourite family summertime adventure and it's just like, no, this is in the middle of nowhere and the tasks are crap and the locations are uninspiring. The Amazing Race Canada is a great way for families to just give her and get involved with their community and finding out things about the rest of the country that they didn't know before. Ever since I pointed out how good your Ryan impression is last week, I, I can't take anything he says seriously because all I hear is him over-exaggerating everything and thinking, that really just sounds like Logan's impression. <laughs> yeah, it was making me laugh a lot when I was watching the episode at work yesterday because I, I just couldn't explain to people at work why I was laughing, but it's just like he's over-exaggerating every word he says. Syllables are meant to be emphasised, Michael. Especially when we had someone defend Kevin and Ryan's over-exaggeration on both Reddit and Facebook this week. Was it the same person? (laughs) Was it Ryan himself? Was it that Jessica person? Uh, I can't remember who it was, but it was on Amazing Race fans on Facebook. Oh, Tar fans. Okay. And I know you saw the Reddit thread, because that one went on for a while. (laughs) 
That was with that Enric person? Yeah. And how I think at one point one of my comments was down to minus three on that post. It's now up to about eight because people are actually agreeing with me, but I think it was at about minus three at one point a couple of days ago. <laughs> and let's see. Um, Karen, or Kevin and Ryan are second till the alpaca task. Then Sam and Paul start feeding their alpacas and they realize animals may or may not be unpredictable. And Sam and Paul have some one of their funnier uh, bickering moments that I always have that I always enjoy watching uh, every couple episodes, just because it's so passive aggressive. Arguing, and you do have to remember occasionally that they actually haven't been together that long. No, but yet they cooperate very well together. And they're sort of the antithesis of the classic Amazing Race rule of you having to know your partner for the last three years. Sam and Paul have only known each other one. If that, because Paul points out this week that actually he wasn't out a year ago, so they've probably been together a lot less than a year. Hmm. Well, yeah, clearly they've they've gotten very close in the past year, just judging by how they talk to each other. Oh, yeah, and the fact that they probably win. Yes. And Karen and Bert correct their mistake with the train. The painting is not called White Pine. It's the White Pine, as they so emphasized. And they go to cast the fly fishing. And then Karen and Bert wish for... Uh, oh yeah, this is the commercial break where we get Karen and Bert's BMO wish. And they wish for people to have more opportunities for careers. Am I wrong in thinking that the BMO wishes have been either the team who comes in first or the team who comes in last in each leg? Depends on whether or not it's a non-elimination. But yes, that's 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 pretty much what it is. I thought it was, because every time I've seen them on the Facebook page, they've been the team who've got eliminated that week. So it's been kind of annoyingly spoilery. Talking as we were at the start of the episode about Amazing Race Canada spoiling its own show. And there's only one team left that hasn't had their BMO wish aired yet. Which is? Corey Nivana. Hmm, interesting. So they either come first or last then? Hopefully first. <laughs> well, hopefully first for a reason that I'll get to at the end of the podcast. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. And then Corey notes that they screwed, they also screwed up with the painting, Corey and Ivana, because they were last to leave the task. And Corey notes that the painting that he referred to as Waterfall doesn't actually have a waterfall. I think he was just a big TLC fan, you know, T-Boz, Lisa Left Eye Lopez, and Chili. I guess he was that much of a super fan in the 90s that he just always has them on the brain. Yeah, I think the group of the S Club group of seven also uh, likes TLC. The, even the the one painting didn't make it onto the show, but it was the painting of uh, of a house being on fire. A house on fire. Lisa Left Eye Lopez's mansion ah. uh, burns. <laughs> I was thinking, how could that be an S Club reference? <laughs> um, I was going the other way. I thought S Club never had a song about arson that I know of. But just imagine just all the intros for all all seven painters. I don't know even what it would be like. Nancy had a stroke. <laughs> and not the one with a paintbrush. <laughs> John's painting snow. <laughs> Ain't no party like a gang of seven party. <laughs> There's no more furniture on the floor. <laughs> They're getting paid for their paintings no more. <laughs> Please stop trying to rewrite Escal Pie. 
I remember when when the real Last Club Seven happened and they were doing all the intros, and when Paul was getting down on the flow. Tina's doing her dance. John's looking for romance. Paul's getting down on the flow while Hannah's screaming out for more. Want to see Bradley swing? Want to see Rachel do her thing? Then we got Joe. She got the flow. Get ready, everybody, because here we go. Yeah, and and the joke. Uh, when uh, Video on Trial, a Canadian TV show which uh, makes fun of uh, popular music videos, I believe they made a menstrual flow joke for Joe. The Joe had the menstrual flow. Do you remember the last time we mentioned Desk Club on the podcast? Because I seem to remember something about me photoshopping Joe O'Meara's face over Zach off of Flo's face, mainly so we could make the Joe she got flow joke. <laughs> I don't remember that. This must have been a long time ago. And I must also point out that this is our 150th podcast together. Our 150th? Man, we are right with Canada. This is our 150 challenges getting through this season. Yeah, this is hashtag Logan Michael 150. Get it trending, guys. (laughs) Yes. Anyways, so... Should you think the train ride should have been shorter for the train task? Or longer? Well, I think it should have been a mandatory penalty for Kevin and Ryan. Whoever leaves in second has to serve out a mandatory hour penalty. That would have been great, actually. Not that it actually would have made any difference, because they still would have been the last to get into the double battle, but it would have just been a hilarious visual for them to be sat on the train just going, John's just given us a penalty. <laughs> and we don't know... We we don't know why John gave us the penalty, but he just did. And now me and Kevin have to give her on the sit-up bench and wait for our penalty to expire. And Sam and Paul leave the alpaca task in first, and talking to the double battle, they find out that the next task is a double battle. And in a Canadian classic, because don't forget they invented the double battle, teams have to play a game of croaker curl, whatever the hell that is. And the team who scores the most points after six stones gets their next clue, while the losers have to wait for the next team to arrive, and the last team standing have to serve out a penalty before receiving their next clue. It's the curling remix. It's the remix to Curlition. Hot and fresh out that kitchen. Mama rolling that body, got every man in here wishing. You mean rolling that rock? Yeah. (laughs) To quote Kevin and Ryan, sipping on that token rum. (laughs) <laughs> it's the freaking 10th round baby they're gonna have them some fun <laughs> curl, 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 curl come on <laughs> and the scene is like murder she wrote <laughs> the, the way Logan's friends get his friend's mom out that skirt and after the after the race it's the hotel lobby <laughs> You can take it to Duffy's room, man. And curl somebody. somebody. <laughs> can you tell we're sleep deprived and very over this season? <laughs> okay. So where were we? Oh yes. Sam and Paul complete the task. They finished the alpaca thing in under two minutes, so the reset, they only did a few attempts at it, so this task was a really quick one. In fact, I think only the uh, cockroach task barely cracks an hour. Everything else was an hour or uh, less this round. In fact, I have some information on that, because spoilers, when Corey and Ivana get to the double battle second, you can actually see the time on the scoreboard, and it's 3.50pm. Oh, okay. Which is why I pointed out the train ride starting at 
Mm. And that's including all the driving time in between each task. That's interesting. Um, and it was daylight when all the teams checked in, eh? It was, so it appears it was a pretty quick leg, this one. Yeah, considering they were exploring the Canadian Shield. If they were exploring the Canadian Shield, they should have at least had Samuel L. Jackson as the pit stop greeter. Yeah, he just makes his little cameo and then recruits um, Corey Nivana to be part of his team. I mean, worst case scenario, I would have settled for David Hasselhoff appearing. In fact, the Hoff probably would have done it, given that he'll do pretty much anything. Yeah, especially for the Germans. And fun fact, I think he still follows me on Twitter. The Hoff follows you on Twitter? Yeah, he definitely used to. I think he still does. Hmm. Um, I don't know how to follow that one up. And Corey really loves fly fishing. There's a lot of thumbs up for him. And he tells Ivana to work it. And they do, they do very well with this. They just hit a rhythm, and they are finished the detour in second place. Well, Kevin and Ryan have a whatever one dude at the at the alpaca task. The problem is that fishing is incredibly dull. Oh yeah, like remember all those top selling video games and movies about fishing. I know we have joked in the past about fishing becoming a double battle, but it is up there with golf as one of the most boring sports ever created. I think... uh, Man, it's tough to say what's duller. Let's just say both would probably end with a murder-suicide. Yeah, both are incredibly tedious, and it's quite impressive that Amazing Race Canada has managed to put them both in tasks. Yes. And curling's also incredibly boring. They've managed to get two tasks out of that one. (laughs) And... We get another small town moment for Amazing Race Canada as Sam's referee knows Sam's grandfather, Chaka Chaka Khan. No, I mean Chaka Ross. And also when they're leaving their fishing detour, Ivana thinks that Corey is just going over to the clue giver to give her his number. (laughs) Just give her, Corey. Corey, stop flirting. Yes. (laughs) Stop flirting with the clue giver. She just wants you because you're famous. Kind of. Suffer now and be single later. Um, anyways, so Ivana does the fishing fast, and then Corey refers to himself as the Bassmaster. Whoop, 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 whoop. Sorry, that's the Bassmaster. Yeah, the Bassmaster. Come on, Michael, this isn't EDM Amazing Race Canada. All we needed was a Rasta horn, and we would have had the perfect EDM setup, just like at a center of gravity where I saw Snoop Dogg. The capital S, fresh and double O P D O D G Y D O double G. Impressive. <laughs> and Kevin's alpaca just decides, as most things in this season should, to just lay down and try and inconvenience them. <laughs> um, and uh, with Corey, he refers to himself as a player after leaving Lindsay the clue giver. And then Ryan's alpaca knocks the ball once, and then twice, and then three times, and they end up doing ten attempts. And I've always said how alpacas are my favourite animals. It's just a shame that they couldn't eliminate them because of it. Yeah, Rue Rue was a mess. Rue was not cooperative. Rue would not jump, which is kind of odd considering that Roo is named after a kangaroo, which they love to bounce. They love to bounce more than R. Kelly. Yeah, bounce, 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 bounce. And Ryan also frustrates me further when he can't pronounce the word frustrate. (laughs) Frustrates you? Yeah, he said it twice in about ten seconds. It's frustrate, not frustrate. 
it's very frustrating to watch when you can't pronounce the word frustrate. Yeah, that's uh, that's really uh, mess it up. <laughs> and yeah, it's Karen and Bert who leave cast in third. Yeah, and Kevin and Ryan dropped to last. I mean, I know that they didn't lose too much time considering each attempt was over pretty quickly and the maximum length they would have taken up for an attempt was three minutes. So they probably didn't lose more than 15 minutes or so on Karen and Bert's prior to the face-off, or double battle, I should say. But anyways, so Corey and Ivana are second to the double battle to absolutely shock Sam and Paul. And Corey and Ivana walk by another advertisement in the form of Little Caesars Pizza sign. Apparently Little Caesars sponsors the uh, curling remix rink. To be fair, it did probably only cost them about $500 to sponsor that rink, given how small it was. Or possibly a couple of large pizzas. Yeah. And I don't know if this is an editing hint, but Corey and Ivana have a confessional saying that Sam and Paul will never see them coming. And sure enough, Sam and Paul give no credit to Corey and Ivana for showing up to the double battle in second. And Ivana was bending over, throwing the rocks, not complaining about any back pain, while Corey was bending Lindsay over and throwing the rocks. And she wasn't complaining. And she wasn't complaining about any back pain either. Everybody's the winner. This is what we call a triple battle. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I would love it so much if Fisher Lindsay just sort of stumbles across the podcast and thinks, oh, they're talking about the episode I was on, I'll give it a listen. And it's just like, oh my god, they're talking about me having anal sex. <laughs> We're very analytical on this podcast. Analytical. Yes, very Tobias Feud K from Arrested Development. And then uh, Kevin and Ryan switch out to... Willie and Ricky for the alpacas, and kids start to scream, Giver. Because that was definitely spontaneous. I have no hope for Generation Z after seeing that task. They should know better. This is not how we should be treating our youth. Seriously, it's borderline cultish and child abuse now. Yes, like, when those kids grow up and they hear the phrase Giver, they're not going to attribute it to a terrible independent film from Alberta, now it's going to be attributed to Kevin and Ryan. Instead of attributing it to a terrible independent Canadian film, they'll attribute it to a terrible Amazing Race Canada team who hopefully lose. Yes. Because I can't go through the Voldemort Mussolini's again, Michael. I just can't. I can't go through that. I want to know how that part of the episode came to be, because was it production telling them to chant it? Was it Kevin and Ryan? And then it was just cut out of the episode to make it look spontaneous. It was like, ooh, the kids just started chanting Giver. And the response to that is, no, they didn't. They were told by some moron, and I want to know who it was. Before they started chanting, we had $525 for this leg of the race. Now, mysteriously, we're down to $225 for this leg of the race. I don't know what happened to the other 300 I mean, by the end of this task, we jump up from four givers to 21 for this episode. And that's ridiculous. <laughs> and that is not... that You don't win anything, like in Blackjack. And the four wasn't exactly a light one, because that was when Kevin, at the start of the task, said, Give her, give her, give her, give her. 
right in quick succession. This was not a fun week to be counting the givers, because with that really massive one during this task, I actually had to go back and rewind it to make sure that I'd counted them all. That's how bad it got. (laughs) Not to mention that there was a few holy molies thrown into there. Yeah, I shouldn't have to be pausing and rewinding an episode of Amazing Race Canada to count. That's the problem. (laughs) You're doing the people's work, Michael. I am, and thank God it ends next week. I am very much looking forward to two weeks' time when I never have to speak about Amazing Race Canada ever again. And Bert has a good rhythm with the fly fishing and applies that rhythm to catching the fish. Karen groans, and then she eventually gets it. And Corey and Ivana win the double battle, and Corey, in the best celebration ever, moonwalks across the ice. No tackling Ivana, he's so ecstatic that he's in first place at the end of a task that we get a boom, 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 Billie Jean moonwalk. And I enjoy the fact that it's now becoming a recurring joke that Corey Nirvana will be ahead for most of the leg and then hit the last task of the leg and then not leave early. That's becoming hilarious for me. But they were just really desperate to get curling over and done with, like most people would in their position. True. And I'm really disappointed they didn't show this roadblock hint, by the way, because it is a cracking pun. All they did was have Monty explain what the roadblock was, which is in this roadblock one team member must count the correct numbers of the four types of cockroaches, which are in the same box as their partner's head. Once the numbers are correct, they get the next clue. But the roadblock hint was actually, who's counting on their partner? (laughs) No, who's literally counting on their partner as giant hissing cockroaches swarm around their faces? That's a roadblock that Karen wouldn't have been able to guess. No, she cannot. Uh-huh. And yeah, Corey does not tackle Ivana at the end of the of the task. He just does his moonwalk, goes off to the roadblock. And we should note that Sam and Paul commit the ultimate curling and shuffleboard error of not wanting to have the last throw. Because for anybody who plays shuffleboard at all, you know that the last throw is the only one that counts the majority of the time. Obviously Sam's grandfather is a champion curler, but probably hasn't actually taught him how to play it. It's kind of similar to how my grandmother could speak six languages, but pass none of those languages down to her kids. She went from being a generation of polyglots to monolinguals. I mean, from what I heard, she passed certain phrases down like, please, Mr. Mafia Man, don't kill all of my family. (laughs) Just not a lot else. (laughs) I love perpetuating that myth so much Um, Ivana volunteers but Corey doesn't realise what it means for a few seconds and then his dreads are really in trouble but luckily he has a bandana so he's able to protect himself protection guys protection when you're around cock roaches I think you can pinpoint the moment where it sort of twigged in Corey's head and he went oh shit the moonwalk comes to an abrupt end, and then Sam and Paul are once again stunned to not see Kevin and Ryan again as as uh, Karen and Bert show up to curling. This is our chance. This is our chance for Sam and Paul and Kevin and Ryan to be the bottom two for this leg of the race. But Karen and Bert really, really, really suck at curling, which is kind of surprising because they're from Edmonton, and usually there's nothing else to do in that province. And Wayne might kill you for that joke. I don't think so. (laughs) And Bert literally breaks the ice. Literally, not figuratively. No, he literally broke the ice when he was throwing some of those rocks. Those guns were put to good use. 
did he actually break the ice, or are you just being a bit melodramatic? That's what's in my notes. He was putting quite a bit of force into it. Oh yeah, with fierce, fierce, fierceosity, as Kevin and Ryan would say. Or aggressivity, as Jamie and Carl would say. And Sam and Paul leave in second, because they actually work out the trick to this game now. And I love how, how uh, weak Sam's voice is when he says hard, when he throws the curling rock. It's not like the people on TV show, it was just like, hard. <laughs> and then Paul, Paul has the most graceful celebratory slide, which essentially is just him falling over. He could have gotten himself hurt. And then possibly med- medically evacuated from the amazing race. Um, let's see. Oh, and then Corey and Ivana are at the roadblock, and Corey says, this task has to be a joke. And then about half a second later is when all of the cockroaches drop. I felt really, really bad for a couple of the races who were in this. <laughs> were there, did their names rhyme with Kurt? Yeah, it was Kurt and Shelley. <laughs> Like I know last week I mentioned my hatred of the penultimate roadblock being more of a team roadblock than an individual one because roadblocks should always be just one person. But this is legitimately not an amazing race task. This is like Fort Bayard or Fear Factor stuff. And also, where on earth did that insectatorium or whatever we're calling it actually get those boxes from? Because I'm assuming they're a reasonably permanent installation there. And why would you want to do it if you're not on The Amazing Race? I think budget cuts. They just went into the Canadian Shield for a few minutes, grabbed whatever they could, uh, put together a few boxes, cut a few holes in the table, and voila, you have an Amazing Race Canada task. Yeah, it just didn't make much sense to me as to why they just have those stations waiting for people to stick their heads in boxes of cockroaches for. Well, they're going to be used somehow. Does that place actually have events where they go, why don't you just stick your head in a box of cockroaches? It's very similar to the Matilda game show from the movie, where it's, uh, who wants to get sticky with Mickey, where uh, where everyone's really sticky and they try to catch as much money uh, in the cube before time runs out, and they keep whatever money sticks to them. It's hosted by John Lovett, surprisingly. It looks more like the sort of thing you'd see in Bayard Academy under Narcisse Lelan on uh, French Fort Bayard to me. But that's just me and my watching Fort Bayard, I guess. But I did appreciate the fact that so many people on the Facebook page were complaining that this was more of a fear factor task. And it's just like, unless they make them drink 57 shots of blended maggots, stink beetles, worms and fish eyes, I don't think this is on a fear factor level just yet. No, this is still pretty... Somewhat typical amazing race stuff in terms of just gross, involving gross bugs every now and then. The thing with this task is that whoever was, whoever had their head in the box, it wasn't just up to the teammate to count it all, but whoever had their head in the box had to keep absolutely still. Because if they shook it all, then the bugs move and then it disrupts your count. And in the case of at least two teams, four over an hour. Yeah, Corinne Ivana and Karen and Bert both barely broke the one-hour mark, if I'm not mistaken. Um, let's see. Yeah, Kevin and Ryan absolutely destroy Karen and Bert at this face-off, or at this double battle, I should say. This was painful to watch. It was 40-5, to 5, I think, was the score by the end of it. Guys, you had one job. <laughs> then uh, Ivana says uh, to Corey at the task, like, oh, 
you know, the cockroaches aren't hissing or anything. And then Corey says, oh, they're hissing, girl. <laughs> yeah, they're literally hissing. That's kind of the point of hissing cockroaches. And then Ivana has one of the funniest quotes of the episode of she can't tell butts from hens, which for some people is how they get arrested. And weirdly, didn't Corey say the same when he was talking to Lindsay? Whoops, sorry. Um, and Sam has a strategy of counting from big to small. Or small to big, I, I didn't really care. I seem to remember it was big to small because the bigger ones were slower and easier to count. Oh yeah, that makes sense. And then Corey has, goes like, nah, girlfriend! <laughs> With the cockroaches inside uh, disturbing him greatly. Um, and then Karen and Bert lose both games and of curling, and we realize that Karen and Bert are pretty much not capable of beating Sam and Paul or Kevin and Ryan for a very, very, very long time this season. I mean, it's almost like they claimed at the start of the episode that teams think they can beat us, and the response is, yep, you're proving they can beat you. And Corey starts kissing the cockroaches. He's already moved on from Lindsay. Didn't Ivana also tell him to close his mouth so he wouldn't get anything in there? Yeah, he just couldn't resist. Corey has a very soft heart. Uh, and then Paul says that his feet are dirty. He has dirty feet. I don't know if the bugs are at his feet, too. Oh, Ryan drops a couple of F-bombs when he gets to the roadblock. I wonder what would have happened if a cockroach had tried to do a runner and escape from the box, because teams wouldn't have been able to complete the task then. I'm sure they had judges all around watching very closely if one of the bugs uh, crept out. And it is Sam and Paul who leave in first after Corey and Nirvana get rejected twice. And teams have to now find Topsail Island in Bellevue Park, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to check in for the first time all season will be eliminated. That's a fact, Jack. They're going to be gone no matter what. There's no saving them now. Start praying to your gods or your pharaohs or your Montes because whoever comes in last is gone. Even though Monty tried to make it a little bit ambiguous when he actually talked to the teams, he said in the pit stop intro, will be eliminated, guys. Start praying. Yep, no ambiguity. That sounded more like Borat. Uh-huh. Let's see. Ivana is very confident in her answer. Then she fails and fails again. And then she's ready to lose her mind, and which is a great cue for Bert to start losing his mind. And his he's not only is he losing like the way he grips the side of the table, you can tell this is a legit fear for him. And in fact, in his bio, he even says that bugs are his biggest fear. I mean, knowing that was his greatest fear, I felt really bad for him. This is like putting Nabila in a box full of popsicle sticks, for example. Yes. Could you imagine if, like, the four teams had the cockroaches and the beetles and the bugs, and then they have Nabila brought back for the task too, and it's just like a hundred popsicle sticks that get poured onto her head, and then she takes a time penalty? I can't do this! The popsicle sticks are touching me! I would have laughed so much if, instead of just bugs in there, it was whatever the person in the box's greatest fear was. Room 101? Yeah, so Bert gets bugs and Kevin and Ryan get a completely soundproof box so they can't suck up any more airtime, and then there's just Sharla off in the corner trying to keep Nabila calm as she's trying to count popsicle sticks. What would be the what would Sam Paul get? Uh, med school rejection letters? 
<laughs> yeah, med school rejection letters from all the different schools he applied to just gets poured on Sam's head. And then Corinne, or uh, Ivana gets hate mail from the Amazing Race Canada Facebook page. And Corey gets, um, I don't know, several bot- bottles of water <laughs> just thrown onto him. How much did you drink, Corey? Get me out of this box now, I really have to go. Ivana, I'm pissing like a racehorse. <laughs> um, and yeah, Bert, man, those fists were really clenched when he's first in the with the bugs, and he gets no protection from this because he's a bald dude. What, those bugs were gonna bite him and sting him and get into his mouth or his nose or his ears, which, if that's his biggest fear, is probably the worst case scenario he could picture being in in his life. He's starting to cry during this task. Well, understandably. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, this is, you know, this is the real deal holy field. Especially given that this task wouldn't be out of place in a horror film of some description. Yeah, Mike Bickerton and Mark Lysakowski went evil on Bert this task. I mean, for example, you would be petrified if you stuck your head in a box of meat that you couldn't eat. Yeah, that is true. It's just lard. And... We get through all the hysterics, all the birds crying, all the fists. Corey and Yvonne eventually finish the task. Um, Karen and Bert get a lot of voiceover audio. We don't actually see them talk. It's just lots of audio over top of it. And then uh, Karen constantly has to remind Bert that he's doing good. But man, Bert is not doing good whatsoever with this task. Not good. Not good at all. Simon Paul won their fourth leg in a row to tie the all-time Amazing Race Canada winning streak record. If they win next week, it's uh, the record for Amazing Race Canada. And they have won a trip to South Africa. All four legs they've won, they have scored an awesome trip. Yeah, again, it's a legitimately cool trip. To Cape Town, and they're going to the finale. Monty's very excited for them. And then uh, Ivana gets trolled by the judge saying that uh, she's incorrect again. (laughs) Oh no, he's way sassy with Kevin and Ryan. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, at one point Ryan says, we got this bird. And the judge just comes over and goes, no, not yet. (laughs) And then just strolls away. And then Ivana gets it. And instead of tackling Corey, she tackles the judge. She takes the Corey position on the judge. Yeah, mainly because Corey is working out how the hell to get out of the damn box. Yeah, it'd be funny if she just tackles the table with the box over. <laughs> the cockroach got into my mouth! <laughs> um, and then uh, Bert is not making this task easy for Karen because he can't stop moving just from how shaken up he is. He starts shaking off the cockroaches so they start going everywhere while Karen still has to keep recounting and keep screwing up her count because of that. And then Bert says he's ready to explode, and you know he's not joking. Do you think that it would have been any better if Bert would have done the roadblock instead of Karen? Oh, I think that would have been much easier for them. Because at least Karen would have had protection from her hair being as big as my hair. Yeah. And did you also notice there was nothing in the clue to say, this person must do this roadblock? No, they've been all fairly even, I guess, this season. Well, I know why, and it's because there's actually only 10 roadblocks this season because the second half of the um, the super leg didn't actually feature a roadblock, the Thailand bit. Oh, yeah. So next week will be a forcible roadblock situation, but not this week. Interesting. 
Um, Bert starts making funny noises while inside the box. He's just in the box yelping. Yeah. And Corey and Ivana, unfortunately, do not keep up their streak and do not finish in second to last for the sixth time this season. Instead, it's a second place finish. Yep, they break their own streak. Probably a, a slight a slight bit of them is upset about this because they know their goal was just to win next week. They didn't care about how well they did this week as long as they weren't eliminated. Yep, and with that second place finish, they do finally cement the fact that they're going to finish the season with a higher average than Karen and Bert. Because if Karen and Bert would have beaten them this week, they would have overtaken them. But they didn't. And we get funny noises, and then Kevin and Ryan finish the task and give themselves a round of applause in very Kevin and Ryan fashion. And they describe it as being far out, um, as finishing in third. And they lay it on Monty, and we, we, get, we get a few more givers. We get a few more givers between them and Monty. Sadly, we do. It ends at 24 at the end of the episode. There's only one thing you have to do, boys. Just give her. Or alternatively, fuck off. <laughs> You've got one more week to repeat your catchphrase. Better make a count, boys. We'll see you at the finish line. Yep, and Karen and Bert do leave the roadblock in last, and they have the most Canadian thing ever, a battle of stories. I'm so sorry for making you lose, babe. This was the most emotional scene of the entire season if not one of the most emotional scenes in all of Amazing Race Canada. Bird is so shaken up from what happened that they just have to pull over on the way to the pit stop and just cry for a few minutes. Like, this this was this was a very intense uh, day for them. Yeah, I felt really bad for them, because even though CTV had basically spoiled the final three for me, I still had that little bit of hope that maybe they'd beat Kevin and Ryan and, you know, salvage this season. But no wasn't to be. It would have been a great penultimate leg if they were able to take, overtake them on the way to the pit stop. If Karen could have just found another dirt road to uh, shortcut and uh, to use a shortcut and bypass all the other teams again. But it wasn't meant to be. And they're eliminated. And next week, we're going to have a lot of... Eh, it's pretty much actually the fairly standard template for Amazing Race Count in terms of finale. We're going to have a heights-related task. There's going to be some intense puzzles. Lots of running, lots of taxis, and eventually, a winner to put the season to rest. Uh, not just a puzzle. It looks like it's more than 100 pieces, and it makes up all of Canada in this Canada 150 season. That's very Amazing Race Family Edition-esque. Yeah, it really is. I don't know if the puzzle would take that long, then, if it's just 100 pieces. Yeah, it doesn't look that difficult, given that it appears in, like, five different press pictures. I see. Because I do like to have a quick glance over the press pictures before we record. And as I said to you last night, it looks like the final three might have been spoiled because of the roadblock over the dam with the nets, because they could see who was doing it, basically. Oh, yeah. That probably leaked out to the public pretty quickly, especially in a city as big as Quebec City, which we're seeing for the second season in a row. Oh, no, 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 no. Season three, sorry. Season three. That was the season three storyline, so... I guess you could make the case that Quebec City hasn't had a proper uh, leg yet. But this is the second season on the chart with a Quebec finale and a heights task and some sort of manual travel challenge in the bike task, and it's just getting a bit stale. This season, they really are. I mean, we just saw a repeated curling task this week. Like before, like the Regina leg, it was really a lame task that make you think they're running out of ideas. And then this leg, they just outright 
repeated a task. I don't care if you have it where, oh, you're going to play curling, but you're going to play it from different angles. It's like, no, that's still curling, guys. Um, so, yeah, finale next week. I think Corey and Ivana have a shot to upset the season. This is the only way that the season would probably get a significant amount of redemption is if we get a Corey and Ivana victory because Kevin and Ryan winning the finale would just be, it would be as bad as Gino and Jesse winning, quite frankly. I still, we'll discuss next week if it's better or worse than that. And then Sam and Paul winning would make it an extremely flat season, especially when the season ends with the same team winning the last five legs in a row. And it's like there's nothing bad about Simon Paul. It's just a very straightforward team that doesn't really have any big moments that stands out all season long. In fact, there is no really there is no big moments with Simon Paul. There's like the emotional letter and taunting Kevin and Ryan a little bit, but no big moment involves Simon Paul. That's why I have a tough time believing they can win when they were very invisible at the start of the season. And since then, they don't have this big presence. I mean, obviously I'm rooting for Sam and Paul to win because at least they're not Kevin and Ryan. But honestly, I would rather none of these teams win. My preferred option is still a revival pass to get used and Adam and Andrea coming in and smoking everyone. But that's obviously not going to happen. And if it did, the revival pass would be claimed as a Canadian first, obviously. Maybe like Jeff and Brody. Um, but the thing is, is that the past two seasons, it's been very predictable in terms of who wins the Masonry's Canada. The team that was strong at the start is strong all the way through to the end. Because, you know, in Jesse and Steph and Kristen both won five legs. But if Sam and Paul win the season, that would be three seasons in a row where the team that won the season won five or more legs. And if Sam and Paul do it, that means they won the majority of the legs in the season, and they did it all in the second half when you're supposed to be building up all the storylines that you have. That's what the season has really lacked, is just no real storylines to follow with anybody. Yeah, I mean, as long as Kevin and Ryan don't win the finale, this season will not be the worst ever. And also because if they win the next leg, they then leapfrog Adam and Andrea in the standings, and we can't have that happening. But it's certainly a very low-tier season for me. Ooh. They have to win the next leg to beat Adam and Andrea. If they get second or worse, they lose, and that's great. But yeah, I'm just hoping that, or what I think and or hope happens, is that Kevin and Ryan are dead last, Sam and Paul are second, and then Corey and pull one of the biggest upsets ever and win the final leg. And another thing that's quite indicative of how not great this season has been is that if you look at the averages, teams have been eliminated in order with the exception of just two teams. Of the seven boots so far, five of them have been in the correct order, basically. Only Adam and Andrea and Zed and Shabir have booked the trend. Yeah, that doesn't happen too often. No, it's quite indicative of a pretty bad season. Mm-hmm. And talking of the finale being next week, we would like your questions a little bit earlier than normal this week, so we want you to use a particular hashtag, which is hashtag after the race. <laughs> and I believe they'll probably be filming uh, probably Saturday, I think, is when they do it, when they actually film the after the race special. Yeah, so tweet the questions rather quickly to hashtag after the race. You can either tag us or Amazing Race Canada in them. We don't mind. We'll answer the best ones next week. All right, I think that does it for this week. 
I think so too. And on that subject, please, please tweet in your stupid questions to hashtag after the race just because I want to see them read out the most nonsensical ones on television. All right. So uh, thank you for listening to this podcast yet again. We've only got one more week to go. Yay. I'm Logan Saunders. You can follow me at LogSuperKuwaki on Twitter. And you can follow Michael Harmstone at MJ Harmstone. Thank you for listening. Peace out and just chill till the next episode. See you next week for finally the final episode of this season. <laughs> Hashtag Logan Michael 150.